Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, December the 28th, 2021. It is currently 9.12 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. Not only welcome to another episode of the Theology Central Podcast, welcome again to the last week of 2021. Before you know it, this year is over. It's going to be gone. So make the most of the last few days of the year. Obviously, if you're participating in our Bible study exercise, definitely put some work into that since that will be your last Bible study of 2021. Uh, so let's let's make the most of the end of the year and then obviously start turning our attention to 2022. And speaking of doing that, I've got a news article here that kind of tells you something that has started happening, I guess, maybe even before 2021, but definitely it's getting a lot of news coverage in 2021, but it may demonstrate where we're headed in 2022. Where are we going in 2022? Not so much. Well, I think this this really has implications for both the church and the culture. And it, it's something I've already done one report on this. Here's a new report that's really discussing the same thing. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly what it means as we move into 2022. Now, one of the things we will be doing, I think this is the plan. And you can let me know if you like the idea or if you reject the idea, I have a list of the 100 basically most influential, largest, fastest growing churches in the United States of America. It's a list of 100 churches. These are the churches that, okay, they're growing. They, they've got, law, you know, these law, you know, they're some of the largest churches in the United States. They have influence. They have power. People know them. Their sermons are being listened to by lots of people. So I think what we may do going into 2022 is we may dedicate maybe a good portion of January just listening to sermons from some of these very influential churches just to see what they're doing, what's going on, how they're handling God's word. Does it give us any indication where the church, where Christianity may be headed in 2022? So I think that's something we're going to do. I, one, of the, one of the most frustrating things and one of the, the very interesting things I have learned, and this is something, this will fit into what we're getting ready to talk about because I'm still trying to figure this out because I think it's very interesting. Some of these churches that are very influential, they have they, they are large churches, so you know they have very large budgets. You know they ha- they're bringing in millions and millions and millions of dollars. Many of these churches, when you're like, okay, I'm going to go download their sermons or I'm going to, you know, because I want to know what's going on. What you'll find for many of them, it's very interesting, is it's very hard to find their sermons. In other words, if you go to their website, you can't, they don't have something to say. If you want to listen to our sermons, you can subscribe on any podcast app. No, they don't have that. In many cases, all you can do is watch videos of their sermons. They don't even have the ability to download the audio, which is just mind-boggling to me that we're in 2021 going into 2022 and churches all across America don't make it super easy for people to download or subscribe to their sermons on all of the different platforms that are available to every church. Every church can get their sermons and turn it into basically a podcast and place them on every podcast app. But most churches, it appears, either don't care to do that, not interested in doing that. They don't want to do that. But at the same time, they want YouTube videos of their sermons. It's like, okay, we want video, but we don't care to make it super easy for people just to download the audio because a lot of people may listen, I don't know, on their way to work. They may not may not have the ability to sit there and watch a video. So why not place your sermon? If you want it in video and you think that's super important, fine. Why wouldn't you at the same time create a situation where you also have the audio of those sermons and you're uploading it to podcast apps? It's just, it's really weird seeing how some of the churches, what's really weird is my voice cracking right there. What's very weird is how many churches seem like they don't take advantage of all of the technology that is available to them. And I think that they are 
la- they're 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 falling behind because I think we have a trend developing. The trend that is developing is that more and more people are not walking through the front door of a local church. The trend is the younger generation, if they've got theological questions, if they're interested in anything related to the Bible, they're not calling a church, they're not going to a church, they may not even be looking for Christians to find the answer, they're going on the internet to look for an answer. That's where they're going to go. They're going to look for a podcast. They're going to look for that information online. So where should the church be in massive numbers? Online. But being online is more than just saying, oh, here's a church website that tells you what time our services are. It's got to be more than that. Oh, we've, you, can, you can watch our, our sermons on YouTube. It's got to be more than that. You want your content available wherever the culture is. Well, where is the culture hanging out? Well, Millions upon millions of people use, they use Pandora, music streaming service. Millions upon millions of people use Spotify. Millions of people use Amazon Music. Millions of people use Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all of the Pocket Cast and all of the other podcasting apps. Why would you not want your content everywhere? So if anyone at any point of the day, night, it doesn't matter when they're sitting there going, oh, I've got a question about that Bible verse. So I've got, they're going to hop on one of those platforms and they're going to do a, a search. What do you want them to find? That you, hopefully you want them to find your teaching on it, you addressing it, your sermons. It, it's, it's just really weird how I, I because I, I've got the list of these 100 churches and I started going, OK, well, this will be easy. I'll just go to each church's website, download a sermon, and then we'll just review a sermon. And then I started like, well, OK, they don't have. Well, I guess there's no place to download a sermon here. OK, well, they they've got I don't know why my voice keeps cracking, <laughs> maybe because it's too early in the morning. I don't know. They uh they, okay, well, you can watch their YouTube video. That's about it. And it's like, it's like they don't do anything to make it easy. And, and in many cases, they don't even have a searchable database to find their content. It's, it's, it's almost like they put no, there's no imagination. There's no creativity. There's no, obviously, there's no dedication into doing that. Now, you could, or some would argue, well, see, that's, that's a good thing because they want people to arrive at the church and that's what you should want. Yes, you want people to attend church, but let's make it very clear. We want Christians to attend the church, right? And that the, the main goal, the church is primarily for the Christian to be equipped for the work of ministry. But we have a responsibility to go into all the world. Well, what's the easiest way to go into all the world? Technology. I can sit here, I'm, I'm in a little, it's just so bizarre to me. We are a little church in the middle of nowhere, Texas. I purposely stress that over and over and over again. Because here we are, we have very little money. We have very little resources. We don't, I mean, we have, I mean, if you were to drive past this building, you would probably shake your head and laugh and go, what failures, what an embarrassment. Because that would, that's probably how people view us from a human perspective. But I can tell you this, we may be a little small church in the middle of nowhere. Maybe I am by no, I will, it's not even a question. I'm clearly not the best communicator in the world, obviously. Obviously, there are people out there who are more gifted in communication. They have more resources. And then you'll look at, the, uh, look at their ministries and they're not doing anything. You're like, what are you doing? Well, we, we post our sermon, one sermon a week, we put online. Whoa, go. Man, you're using that technology. And, and the only way you can get the sermon is by watching the video. We don't have it downloaded. We're not available on any apps. And you're like, what is the point? You want to make it easy. And not only do you want to make it easy, you want to make it easy that if they go to your website, it literally gives a list of all the places they can subscribe to your podcast. And, and, and some will just, uh, we're, we're just going to put our sermons on Sermon Audio. I love Sermon Audio. Sermon Audio is great. It's a great app. It's, they're, and they're going to improve the app. But guess what? There's a good chance that maybe the world is not hanging out on the Sermon Audio app. 
They may be hanging out, I don't know, oh yeah, on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcast, all of those other apps. So why would you not want your content on those apps as well? It's just the church is real. It's just, it's something I just noticed looking at these churches. So where is everything headed? Well, in some cases, the churches are, in, in my estimation, are lagging behind. And I don't know why. Why? Well, I, I just don't get it. I mean, we're in 2021. We're going into 2022. You, I understand that for many pastors, they may say, I don't have the time. It's too complicated. Maybe they don't have the the knowledge about technology, but fi- figure it out. Find someone to help you, okay? Find someone. By no means do I have the the expertise in technology. By no means do I have that, but I do what I can, I do what I can. And, and many pastors seem like they don't want to put forth the effort. They don't want to put, I, I've, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to pastors going, okay, look, okay, there, there's a, a bunch of us who seem to be like-minded. We're on this particular platform. We could, do, we could do interesting things, right? We could pick a topic, right? We could pick a topic. It could be, it could be any, any, it could be a, a doctrine. It could be something in theology. It could be something in the culture. And then we could, we could get a bunch of us together. And then I could do maybe two hours of live broadcasting about it. Then you could come on and do two hours. And we could do like a marathon and, or almost like a, a virtual conference. And then they just kind of like, why would we want to do that? Because everyone's talking about that particular subject, okay. But it's but hey, if we if we can hold a conference in person and charge people a hundred dollars to get in, hey, we're all for supporting that. If we can be a part of a conference where people pay three hundred dollars to get in, but I'm not going to just turn on the microphone and and do it for free. It's it's just a weird mindset that I've never understood. I don't get it. But I would think we should be using all of the technology. But many churches are not. Now, while that is going on, listen, while that is going on, where the church seems to be falling behind, we have a clear development happening also within the church, and that is fewer and fewer people are attending in-person services. Church attendance is dropping dramatically. I've heard so many news stories about this. There are churches that are lost over half of their normal attendance. People are not coming to the church. So the church, in many cases, is not taking advantage of technology, in many cases. Or if they do take advantage of the technology, they're limiting themselves and not getting their content wherever the people are. So they maybe do one little thing and say, see, we're look how good we're using technology. And you're like, okay, there, there's a million other things you're missing. All right, so, so there is... There's, the church is falling behind. People are not attending in-person services. Now, these are just things that are just happening. You can, you can argue about them all day, but these are just facts. I've got a news article right here in front of me talking about how, how much churches are suffering with people not coming back to church. People are just not attending services. They've decided they're, they're not going to show up. And this is going to have profound impact. Because many churches are not going to survive. Look, I mean, a lot of churches are going to look around and go, look, we got, we had, we used to have 500 people. Now we've got 200 people. Now we have 100 people. And many of them are just going to close their doors. A lot of, a lot of Christians who decide they're not going to go back to church, you're, you're hoping you're, you're going to end up ending local congregations. It's, it's that simple. It's, I find it funny sometimes when people were like, oh, I remember the day when there was this kind of store. And I remember the day when there was this kind of store. Well, when you stop going to those kinds of stores, they stop existing. If you stop attending services, churches can't, can't exist. You, you have to show up. So th- I think that's very important. But this is an interesting development. While all of this is going on, while the church seems to be falling behind, in many cases, using technology, where people are not attending in-person services, there's this weird thing going on that I cannot figure out. And that is this. Millions and millions and millions of dollars are being invested in Christian apps. It's really bizarre. This is not... Oh, churches developing standalone apps for their sermons. No, 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 no. These are like, here's this almost a parachurch 
ministry, parachurch organization coming up with, we're going to create this Christian app. And then there are people giving millions and millions and millions of dollars for the development of these apps. So clearly there are some people out there who are aware that, wait, I think everything's moving to an online religious community. That's where it's moving. So let's get these apps out there. And a lot of people are so convinced that that's where everything is headed. They're investing millions of dollars. While that is going on, the church seems to be lagging behind and fewer and fewer people are attending in-person services and local churches seem incapable of knowing what to do. Well, the first thing you want to do is you want to take the message to wherever the people are. So why are we falling behind in technology? Let, let, let me put this all together because this is just bizarre. We talked about um, the, uh, is it called the Glorify app? I remember, yeah, Glorify, the Glorify app. I remember I, I kept saying that this is really weird and that we really need to pay attention to the Glorify app because they're bringing in millions of dollars with some very big celebrity names that are offering, they're giving them millions of dollars. And it's like, what, what is going on? We need to really pay attention to the Glorify app. Some people didn't, I don't think, I don't think people really understood what I was trying to get across. There's something happening here. There's something happening. And whenever I, I, I try my best, whenever I, I try to tell people, look, no, we need to pay attention to this. I, I try to get people to understand that I'm doing that because sometimes it may indicate where things are going. But I think sometimes people get very tunnel vision and just like, well, I don't like that disregard, move on. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is, this is an indicator of something different. It's like in medicine, you, you, you look for the symptom, right? You figure out what the symptom is, but the symptom is pointing to what something else, right? You don't just focus on the symptom. You focus on the underlying cause. Well, just because there's an app out there and you're like, well, I don't like the app or I don't care about the app doesn't mean you stop paying attention to what's going on because that's a symptom of possibly something deeper. There's, there's, a, there's this transitioning occurring. Churches are falling behind in many cases in technology. They're not using it the way they should. People are not attending, or we could break it down this way. Churches are falling behind in technology. Well, the culture is turning more and more to the internet and technology to get their theological questions answered. Fewer people are attending in-person services. These, these, this is all happening. And in the meantime, millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars are being poured in to develop Christian apps that are not associated with churches. Now, I guess one of these are associated with the church. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it has any official. I don't think it's being created by the church. I think it's someone who's just creating an app in line with that church's teaching. I don't think it's the the actual institution that's cre that's creating it. Which again goes back to the church neglecting technology. Let, let me let's go through this, and I'll, I'll show you what I mean. All right, here we go. Hello, a religious app for Catholics talks the talk as religious platforms draw investors in, uh, draws investors' attention, if I can read correctly. This was published yesterday at 2.23 p.m. So, Hallo, a religious app for Catholics, talks the talk as religious platforms draw investor attention. Now, listen to me. I don't, you can say, well, I don't care about the Hallo app. I don't care about the Glorify app. You can, you, fine. But something's going on when it says that the that this is another Christian app that's drawing investor attention. That's the part of the story that I'm trying to get you to focus on. Let me give you an example. According to PitchBook data, faith-based, mostly Christian apps attracted. Are you ready for this? All right, so according to data, all right, faith-based mostly Christian. There may be some other uh, faiths uh, in included in this, but most of them are Christian apps. They attracted, are you ready for this? 175.3 million dollars in venture funding this year through mid-December, more than tripling the 48.5 million they attracted last year. So this year, and venture funding, 
$175.3 million were invested into Christian apps. Last year, it was only $48 million. All right, so something's happening. See, to me, that just says, wait, there's this tra- there's a transition. Let me go through the transition again. Churches, in many cases, I feel, are falling behind. Now, I know some of you go, but wait a minute. Sermon Audio has been there forever. Yes, Sermon Audio has been, been there, and it, it was great, and every church that used it was awesome. But I will tell you, a large portion of churches never used Sermon Audio, never saw the need to use it or really cared. Or if they even used Sermon Audio, they used it in the most basic way possible, like, okay, we'll just post our sermon, our Sunday morning sermon, or maybe maybe our Sunday night sermon. And it's like, why are you not using it for so many other things? And not only that, though, it's on Sermon Audio. So how many, where, where is the world looking to find spiritual information? So, so I, Sermon Audio, I think, in many cases, showed that some churches were forward-thinking, but as things have developed, the churches did not, keep up. Does that make sense? Uh, Hopefully that makes sense. What do I mean by that? Again, okay, you're on sermon audio. Wonderful. Great. You so some people, some, some pastor will say, see, my sermons are on the internet. No, 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 no. You've got to do more than that. There are thousands, well, I won't say thousands. There's a lot of podcast platforms out there. Why are your sermons not there? Can they find them on Spotify? Can they find them on Pandora? Can they find them on Deezer? Can they find them on Amazon Music? Can they find them on Apple and Google Podcasts? Can they find them on Pocket Cast? Can they find it on Breaker Podcast app? I, I can go on and on and on and on through all the apps. If you're not, then you're not easily, if you're not easily discover, if, if it's not easy for people to discover your content, then they're never going to find it when they're searching. So that's in a sense, churches are falling behind. Well, the younger people are looking to the internet to find their theological questions if they have them or if they're anywhere curious or interested. Well, where are they going to find your content? I've already talked about, I, I was looking at these lists of basically mega churches and it was just, in, when I go to their websites, I'm looking around going, what is this? Okay, how can I download your, I just want to download your sermon. Is it that difficult? Is it that complicated to create a website where it's easy for someone to download your sermon? Is it that difficult to create a situation going, here's our RSS feed. Here's all the places you can subscribe to our sermons. Is it really that complicated to do that in 2021, 2022? It's not. I mean, for crying out loud, if you don't know how to do it, you can, all you need is to have an RSS feed for your sermons, and then you can go to PodPage and have a a site built for you in five minutes where, and, and yeah, I mean, it's easy to do. And I'm not, and, and not even if you don't have that m- much knowledge about technology. So we have, in many cases, the church falling behind. I hope you understand that. Younger people are looking there at this, at, at, are looking on the internet for that type of thing. And fewer and fewer people are coming to church. That's That's what's happening. And then somehow in the midst of all of that, transition and change, $175 million is being invested in the development of Christian apps. And I I think they said it uh, more than tripled what was raised the year before. Now, just see how much things have changed. All right. So $175 million in 2021, $48 million in 2020. If we go back to 2016, this is how how much things changed. 6.1 million was brought in for basically developing Christian apps in 2016. Now, what does this demonstrate? This demonstrates that back in 2016, no one within the church for the most part had any foresight to see where things were going. So nobody was putting their money there. And I would say there probably wasn't a lot of development of Christian apps even happening in 2016. Why did we not see where the culture was headed? Why is the church always reactive instead of proactive? But let's go through this. As readers might recall, we talked with one of the startups that raised a big round, Glorify, earlier this month when it landed 40 million dollars in series A's fun, series A funding. 
The subscription-based well-being app currently offers users guided meditation along with audio Bible passages, Christian music. And its co-founder has big ambitions to create a broader platform that includes dating and other features. Now, remember, I told you, pay attention to the Glorify app. Download it. Use it. See what it is going on. They've got big plans for it. They're going to include dating on it? Like, what in the world? What is this? What is this even going to look like? What does this mean? And I want you to realize these apps seem to have no real connection to any local church. Right? They're going to build like a faith community where it has there's a little Bible study. Now you can meet people. You can find someone to date. It's going to have all of these elements that in many cases, think about this, could they create a platform that at least from a human perspective, I'm not saying from a biblical or theological perspective, from a human perspective, completely makes the church obsolete. Not from a theological perspective, not from a biblical perspective, but they just make the church obsolete. And if that occurs, how does the church respond? What does the church do? How does the church handle it? This is an interesting development. All right, let's continue to go through here. All right. More recently, we talked with the founder of another of the year's buzziest faith-based apps. And when they say buzziest, the one's getting all the buzz. And this one is called Hello. The three-year-old 40-person outfit raised $40 million in Series B funding back in November. Um, and others has raised $50 million altogether this year to help folks build a routine of prayer and to journey together through the content. So they're bringing in millions and millions and millions of dollars for Hollow, this other new app. All right. Um, beyond the fact that Hollow is exclusively focused on Catholics, while Glorify focuses on all Christians, we wondered how the two outfits, which are clearly racing to capture many of the same users, differ in their offerings and in their outlook. So you got Hollow, that's H A L L O W. We have Glorify, two apps. Millions of do- millions of dollars between the two. Millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. They're building these platforms. So in some ways, they're going to be competing. Some ways, they're going to d- draw, make themselves different. But what, what does this indicate about where we're going? Okay, I, I think there's, there's something happening here. I cannot stress this enough. Something is going on, and we've got to figure it out. Right? They go on to say this. Um... So they talked to the uh, to, to Hallow's CEO, and uh, he says that uh, let's see here um, that the CEO for Hallow sounds more religious, and the the CEO for Glorify seems to be dis- would be described more as a entrepreneur who describes himself as a philosophical person who is largely focused on how tech impacts how people think and feel. So glorify, it seems to come from someone who's more of an entrepreneur, who's more philosophical, and hallow seems to come from someone who sounds more religious. So they're drawing a a possible distinction there. But we'll let you hear directly from the CEO of hallow regarding how he thinks hallow's app differs from its rivals. Our chat below has been edited lightly for length. So I'm just going to go through some of these questions and answers from the interview. All right, here we go. All right, hang on. The website is reloading. I'm going to go down here to the interview. All right, here we go. What do you see as Hallow's place in this increasingly crowded competitive landscape? Now, first of all, please note that the landscape for Christian, quote-unquote, religious apps is becoming crowded. That means more and more of them are being developed. What does that mean moving forward for the church? For Christianity, what is Christianity going to look like in 2023, 2024, 2025? It it feels now. I, now, please note, feelings do not indicate a correct perception of reality. But I'm just describing the feeling. 
it feels to me, just like when Amazon was developing and growing, that, that something was changing, but many in the brick and mortar stores ignored it. They didn't say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, this Amazon thing, if it catches on, what is that going to mean for our future? They almost ignored it. And they didn't do what needed to be done in order to survive or order to, to make themselves unique. I'll, I'll give you the example. I've talked about this a million times, all right? Uh, well, I don't know if I've talked about it on air a million times, but I've definitely talked with with my family and anybody who'll listen. Back when music was starting to, to move to you know, where you could download it through iTunes, you know, you pay 99 cents or $9 for the album, whatever the case may be. That was obviously going to disrupt, and that, that should have been a clear sign that things are changing. So if you owned a brick-and-mortar store that focused on selling music, and when Netflix was beginning to develop and things were moving to, you could stream them online. If you were a store that, say, focused on music and, say, renting movies, right? And, and then people were buying Kindles, right? So if you were a store that focused on music, movies, and books, and, and, and everything was moving to a digital online kind of situation, you needed to take notice. You needed to start figuring out how are we going to compete, and one of the things that just absolutely blew my mind is how the local stores seem to not only not be oblivious to the fact they didn't do anything in order to give people an incentive to come to their store. I'll give you an example. There was an album that was coming out. I won't go into it because if I mention the artist and mention the album, then it turns into everybody wanting to debate music. So, Because once again, people will miss the point. But I, I knew the album had been released. So I go into the store and I'm like, hey, do you have this? Because I wanted a physical copy of the album. Do you? And they're like, that album is not out. I'm like, yes, it is. They're like, no, it's not. I'm like, yes, it is. And they're like, no, it's not. And they're like, we don't know when it's, when it's going to be released. And I, 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 I'm just like, okay, whatever. They didn't seem to have a clue what was going on. I literally got in my car, drove back to my house, opened up iTunes, downloaded the album for $9.99. So I said, I, I was like, well, what, one of the things you need is you need knowledgeable people working in those stores who knows, like you can get a list of all of the new releases. They should have a list of every new release. And if someone walks in going, okay, right there, they should, they should be able to know when album, they, that, in other words, you're going to have to have people working in each department who are knowledgeable about it. I'll never forget, walk, I walk into uh, books a million, right? Because, you know, I still wanted to try to support buying physical books, not just doing everything on my Kindle. So I'm in there and someone comes up asking about a certain book and the person who works there going, I don't I don't think we have that. I, I don't even know where it would be located in the store. They work there. And I, I looked at the other person like, come with me, I'll show you. So I told him, like, Here, here's the book. I didn't work there. And I knew the out the the the. Basically, how the church, the church, how the bookstore was laid out, which section had which books, and where that book would most likely be located. And I even knew that the book was there only because I'd gone there shopping so much. The if I was a manager of that store, I would be like, "You need to know every any time that there is you're not helping a customer, just walk the store, look at every aisle, know what books are there, what books are not there. You need to be able to offer the best customer service, make it personal, make it friendly, make it quick. If anyone has a question about a book, you should need, you need to know, here's all the, here's the list of all the new books. Here's a list of all the books on the best-selling list. Know what's going on in the book world. When they walk through that door, you're the book expert. You're the music expert. You're the movie expert. But they didn't do that. They did, so they didn't have any, any desire to offer anything unique and try to create an environment that people would want to go to. So at some point, you're like, you know what? Your customer service stinks. Your knowledge stinks. I'll just go on Amazon. I'll just go here. I'll find what I want faster and quicker without having to deal with your poor customer service. And I basically just gave up going to Books A Million. It was basically a waste of time. They wouldn't have, or they told me they could order it and they would call me. Not only did they never call me, six weeks later, I'm asking if the book comes in. They don't even remember ordering it. I'm like, you know what? What's even the point? I could have downloaded this for my Kindle in three seconds. You're, 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 you're obsolete. You're obsolete. 
The church has to see that things are changing rapidly. It just has that same feeling when the brick and mortar stores ignored everything. They started becoming obsolete and started closing down. That music store that I went to called Hastings Books and Records, they also did a movie rentals, no longer exist. Gone. Multiple bookstores that I used to go to no longer exist. Gone. They didn't do anything. Now, I'm not saying churches should compromise. I'm not saying churches should should go against scripture. I'm saying that churches are going to have to go, wait a minute. What can we do to work in this new world? Well, one of the things you can do is using technology to get the message anywhere and everywhere so that people, that you can still be ministering to people. I'm not saying that you, you want people to come to your church, but there's going to be many people in the world who are not going to come to the church. In fact, in some cases, that's always been the case, right? That's why Jesus told us to go because there was never the expectation that the world would come running to the church. The church is supposed to go running to the people. So, all right. So let's, let's go here. So uh, what do you see as Hallow's place in this increasingly crowded and competitive landscape. All right, first of all, uh, th- this is the uh, CEO of Hello talking, all right? We're big fans of anybody helping folks deepen their relationship with God and find peace. So we're excited to see a lot of folks glorify, pray, abide. Those are three big apps right now, glorify, pray, and abide. All these folks continue to try to help folks to grow deeper in their spirituality. As for Hollow, we are focused on the Catholic world. So all the content is 100% authentically Catholic and in line with the Catholic Church's teaching, which is a specific theology. So the Hollow seems to be much more theologically minded, which is awesome. But let me state this again. Why is it some guy raising millions of dollars to create an app that's connected to to Catholicism, why wouldn't it be the Catholic Church itself who has billions of dollars? Why wasn't it the Catholic Church developing an app? Why wasn't it the Catholic Church using the technology? See, this is what always, it's, it's, it's always the parachurch, it's always outside of the church that starts doing the things in many cases the church should have been doing. It, it, I, just, I just don't get it. They go on. Then on the content side, we have a ton of really phenomenal exclusive content, including uh, the, the person, the guy who plays Jesus from The Chosen. Um, he's on the, I guess, the Hello uh, Catholic app, who does a lot of the meditations for us. YouTube priest and personality father, and then they name him. Author and bishop, they name another one. They name all of these individuals who are going to be on the app creating content for the app. We also have mass readings that align with the Catholic Church's daily mass. We have daily rosary stuff. We have massive music library with a lot of really beautiful Gregorian chants and old school traditional stuff, along with contemporary music and peaceful uh, music and, well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like other apps, this is a subscription product. Yeah, I think everybody has the same model, but there's a free version of the app that has 1,000 plus meditations. And then with Halo Plus, you can unlock up to 3,500 custom meditations. So please note, they're raising millions of dollars with the expectation they're going to bring in millions of dollars because they're going to do subscription-based. Now, this this to me raises all kinds of ethical questions. Why are you... I, I know so many Christian podcasts already do this. Hey, here's our 30-minute episode. You want the full episode? Subscribe, pay some money, look at our Patreon page. Then you can get the, I, I don't know why any Christian anything would hide content behind a paywall. Oh, we've got scriptural meditations and you can get all of them for the low, low price of $4.99 a month or $3.99 a month or $5.99. But again, these are because these are organizations, not, not by church. Churches should be like the ones developing these things, and then the church should pay for it. But all right, but I, you know, we, we can talk about that all day. All right, here we go. How many daily average users do you have, and what percentage of them are paying customers? 
We don't disclose, we don't disclose the daily active u- user stuff, but we just crossed. Are you ready for this? 1.5 million downloads around 50,000 five-star reviews and 25 million prayers completed. They've had, they got 50,000 five-star reviews, 50,000. That's insane. Trying to get people to write a review for anything is very difficult. I've begged and pleaded and I I get a few. Now you could say, well, because you stink. That may be true. That may be true. But that's amazing. 1.5 million downloads to the app. Now, why do I point that out? That shows you there's a market. There's a desire for people who have who are looking for something spiritual and they're not looking to it in the church. They're looking to it for apps, podcasts. They want these online platforms. And what does that mean for the church where attendance is starting to to drop? Uh, They go on to say, why start this company? It was largely a personal journey. I was raised Catholic, but fell away from the faith in high school and college. I would consider myself, I would consider myself atheist or agnostic most of the time. Then I got pretty into secular meditation. I was fascinated by it and and Headspace had just launched as well as Calm. And I loved the products and thought that they were awesome. They were an awesome way to learn the techniques of meditation from the comfort of your own home. But every time I would meditate, my mind would have feel pulled towards something spiritual, something Christian. So I started talking to priests, brothers, sisters, pastors, anybody, anybody I could talk to asking the question, hey, Is there an intersection here between the meditation thing and this faith thing? And they always laughed and said, yeah, well, we've been doing it for 2,000 years. It's called prayer. So that's, so in other words, there, he, he was looking for something like this and guess what? It wasn't available. And why wasn't it available? Because nobody in the church thought of doing something like this. Um, they ask, are you a first-time founder? Yes, I was an engineer uh, in undergrad, so I've known a little bit of how to code. Uh, then I went to McKinsey and worked in a strategy consulting for a couple of years, and I went to the Stanford Graduate School of Business, so I had some exposure to entrepreneurship. When we started talking about this idea, I learned how to code in Swift for iOS in a couple of weeks with the help of a free Stanford course, so I was able to pick up that quickly enough but I'm terrible engineer and we've, and, and we've thrown away the code that I've written since, uh, and by no means uh, I'm a legit developer. So he came up with the basic idea. Then it looks like they brought in other people to get the code right, to develop it right, to make the app work correctly. Glorify plans to add a lot of features that turn it more into a social network centered around micro interactions. Is that also in Hallow's Roadmap? There's a lot of opportunity to help folks bring God into many aspects of their life as possible. I know folks have thrown out the dating stuff, uh, generating revenue through tithing stuff. For us, we've just really mechanically focused on trying to help folks grow deeper in their spiritual lives and to find peace with God. So the categories we're focused on right now are really the categories we've all already featured, including music, sleep, Bible, prayer, and meditation. We think we've really just scratched the surface with all of these. Just 5% to 10% of Catholics in the world are in the U.S. The vast majority are international. We're just now launching our Spanish content. We're also focused on school and parish partnerships. So they're going to try to work with local partnerships. But just saying, if the Catholic Church itself would have came up with the idea, it would have already been built into the parishes because it would have been something coming down from the Vatican handed to the parishes as a tool to give to Catholics to help them have this. And then it could have been incorporated maybe into the life of the parish and used in in a a roundabout way, but you know, whatever. Um, Has anyone from Facebook reached out to you? The company is reportedly also very focused on trying to keep Christians on its platform, including by forming partnership with faith-based groups. Facebook has been really helpful for us in terms of reaching out to folks and spreading the word about Hallow, especially during the pandemic. Facebook has also been incredibly helpful in helping us figure out how to advertise to folks and what messaging works. They have a core partner program thing that we've been able to be a part of. Still, the majority of our growth is from just folks talking about the app and sharing it with other folks. 
Also, our big pitch is that your phone is usually a place of stress and anxiety where you have to figure out how many uh, where you have to figure out how many likes you got or who commented on your thing or what your aunt said about whatever political hot button issue. Our goal is to try to build a place of peace away from that. Who do you consider your biggest competition? The Bible app is the giant in the space, I know. That's a tough one because in all honesty, if folks are ending up in heaven, we don't really care how they get there. There you have it. Those, that that doesn't give us a lot of insight. It does demonstrate there's a lot of competition. Does demonstrate there are a lot of different apps. Does demonstrate that lots and lots of people are using them. It even indicates Facebook seems to now be like, okay, what can we do to keep Christians on the platform? What can we do? And so even Facebook wants to become like a, a get into the business of faith-based content to get Christians there. All of that, just at least in some way, is going to possibly pull people from the church. We have to have churches that embrace this new reality of technology, and then use it, use it to reach people who may not come into the church, at the same time use it to help disciple and build up people who are a part of the church. It, it Sometimes it's really weird. In some cases, I think the church can say, hey, here's a, here's a platform that we could all come and discuss things, but many people in the church won't participate but they'll be, they have no problem participating all day on Facebook or other social media platforms talking about what they had for supper, taking 800 pictures of their grandkids, talking about all of that, but they won't participate in something that may be more church-based. I, that, that's something that I don't, I don't have an answer for either. But so let's, let's go through this because I think we have some, some interesting things that are occurring and I think we need to pay close attention to because I think these things are, are, are a possible sign of where things are headed, all right? We've got situations where we have the church, in many cases, seemingly falling behind in the use of technology, right? I'm not saying they don't use any of it. They just don't, there's just so much they, they, they are not doing that makes no sense. Like, why wouldn't you want your sermons on every platform on the earth? Why not? I mean, I, that just that makes, if, if what you're preaching is of any value, put it everywhere. And then why wouldn't you not only just use it for your sermons? Why wouldn't you talk about things going on, discipling? And why? I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. Don't understand. Don't understand. So the church is falling behind. Well, the church is falling behind. More and more of the younger generation, even the younger current generation, maybe even the older generation, more and more people are like, you know what? Forget the church. The church is a broken, messed up place. I'm not going back there, but I'm going to look for spirituality online. All right, well then, the church needs to be there. The church needs to be there. And while all of that's going on, study after study is showing fewer and fewer people are attending church. In the meantime, millions and millions of dollars are being developed, not from the church, or, or millions and millions of dollars are being invested by apps that are being developed, not arising from the church, but a separate and almost a parachurch organization. And they're almost in some cases trying to create a faith community that in many cases, I think one could argue from a human perspective could make the church obsolete. Churches are going to have to develop some ideas and thinking and strategies that first puts us right there at the forefront of technology that we're using it. At the same time, we're going to have to do what we can to ensure that the church is the place for discipleship, the best teaching possible, and while well, other things like obviously the Lord's Supper and other things that the church does in person that cannot be done in a virtual way. And we have to, we're going to have to figure out how we're going to move forward in this kind of, can we call it a brave new world? I mean, the, the culture has changed dramatically. Technology, just think about it. If technology has radically 
transformed even the city you live in. Look at look at which stores used to be in your city that no longer exist. Just look at the what the demise of malls. There are empty malls all over this country. They've just been abandoned, boarded up. There's a, an entire documentary about the death of malls. What what helped kill malls? Technology. Well, if the, if if we see the profound impact on technology in the culture, why didn't the church think about the possible profound impacts that technology would have on the church? It's almost like we completely ignored it. And I think and a lot of people would say, well, the church embraced technology during the pandemic. I will argue yes and no. They were like, okay, how can we do a live stream? Anybody know how to do it? Okay, we'll do a live stream. We'll put it on Facebook. There we go. We've done it. Mm, that's, that's still way, 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 way behind. Way behind all the things that you could be doing and should be doing uh, and I now I do realize some small churches, you don't have the resources. But I'm talking even I'm talking the large churches that's got millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. They've got they could hire people. I I, I mean I wish I had a team of people. Oh, do I wish I had a team of people? Because I would be like, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? What what can because there's some things I can't do. Some things I don't even know how to do. But it's something weird is happening, and I just think we need to talk more and more about it. That's why I told you to pay attention to the Glorify app. All of those apps, let me, let me go through all of them again. You should look at all of them. You should look at all of them just to know what's going on. All right, let me go through. I'm going to go through the names of all of these again, all right? All right, so we have the Glorify app. We have the Hallow app. Let's see, where else? They named a number of others here. Uh, so Hallow glorify, pray, abide. Those are four. Hallow, glorify, pray, abide. Look and see what they're doing. Look and see what's going on. And and it's more than just like, well, I think it's garbage. It may be garbage, but there may be like 10 million people using it. So then we've got to figure out what are these 10 million people getting and what, 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 what's, what, is, what is Christians? Think of it this way. What are Christians going to look like five years from now where they're most, where they are being discipled and taught on a some Christian app out there more than they're being taught from churches. What? Are, what? Think of it from that perspective. What is the Christianity that is raised on the Hallow app, Glorify app, the Pray app, and the Bide app? What is that Christianity going to look like ten years from now? I, th- I think that's a good way of looking at it. And then um, the Bible app. That's the last one. The Bible app. So, hallow, glorify, pray, abide the Bible. Those those are the kinds of apps millions of people are using. What is that Christianity going to look like? What, what 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 how does the church respond? What we need to see is what these apps offer. This is my this is my suggestion. We need to create a list of of all of the most influential Christian apps. We need to look at what these apps offer and then look at what they are not offering, what they are not doing, what they are not giving people. And then we need to create platforms that will then say, okay, you have all of those apps. That's what they do for you. Here is a platform that comes in to give you what you really like, to really give people what they really need. We need to see all of the shortcomings on those apps and what they are giving people. And then we've got to provide a content that fixes that. Something is changing dramatically. And I I just, I don't, I can't wrap my mind around it all. I don't have, I'm not saying I have all the foresight. But I'm saying that we need Christians thinking about this. We need Christians paying attention to this. You need to be talking to people. You need to be, you need to be looking at what people are doing, what they're using, and, and, and trying to figure out what we can do to, well, continue to ensure that there's a historical, biblical Christian presence, not only in a local church, but that local church needs to, needs to be coming together, pull, pulling all of their resources together so that that local church can stand strong. And then that local church can then be using all of its 
resources to then put forth the apps and the technology to reach the people out there who are seriously lacking because all they have are these Christian apps who may not be actually giving them a historical biblical Christianity. We need strong local churches developing teams of people who will use their their abilities and resources to be right out there in that space. That's what we need to do. If, If you think about it, If you listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, one of the things that church did is they really seemed to understand where things were headed. you You can say Mark Driscoll was a genius. You can say the team he had around them, but they seemed to really understand, get our sermons online. Get them online. Use blogs. Let's use blogs. Let's use websites. Let's, and they, they were right there at the forefront. And one of the reasons Mars Hill became such this powerhouse of influence because they used technology, but it was technology that at least was being developed and was coming from a church. Now it all imploded, it all fell apart and a lot of things went wrong, but at least they had that vision. I I think that what bothers me is many cases you can't seem to get churches to have that vision. They're just like, look, all I care about is if, if 100 people show up, 200 people show up on a Sunday morning and they give this much money, then I'm secure and that's good. And as long as they, and then I'll give them a little bit of activity. It's like, wait a minute, we, we're supposed to be doing more than just showing up and meeting. Aren't we supposed to be discipling and developing and going and the Great Commission? So I don't know. We, we just, we gotta, we gotta do what we can. We gotta do what we can. And I'm telling you, those of us who are trying to get Biblical historical Christianity out there on the on, on the internet on on podcasting platforms, we're competing with all of these other things, and they have millions and 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 millions, and millions, and millions, and millions of dollars. Which guess what? That's going to get the attention. That's going to get the one point five million downloads. That's going to get the fifty thousand reviews, and sooner or later, they make even people like me obsolete. There, there's a lot to, to digest here. You can tell me how much you agree or disagree. You can give me your perspective. Some of you are very well, you're knowledgeable about what's going on in the, in the world of technology. You may have a completely different perspective. Some of you may, you, you can tell me what your churches are doing with technology. You can, you can tell me what your churches are not doing. You may use some of these apps. You can tell me what's good about these apps, what's bad about these apps. You may be able to tell me, well, I've got 15 Christian friends and they love this app and they can't talk about it all the time. Which app is it? Let's look at it. What can we do? And how should we address this moving forward? I I would love to get all of your thoughts and and, and comments. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Those in the Discord channel, this this is a great topic to discuss. You can let me know. And there, oh, there, oh, look at we're using technology to even have the discussion. Uh, so I'm always trying to I, I try to use everything. My problem is I I see all the things out there. Like I, I've talked about it before. Podbean. Where are the biblical minded, good theology people on Podbean? That thing is a mess. I still haven't not figured out how I can. I've got to, I've got to try to still figure out how to use that because I, 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 I'm just like, it's screaming that there's need, but I can't, there's only so much I can do as one person. So I have to figure out what I can do. I see all of the issues. I just don't have the money and the resources to do it. If I had the resources, I would hire a team of people 24 seven around the clock. I wish, I wish I had more people coming to this church who had a desire to use technology to do podcast. I would I would make sure that we had live broadcasting going 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If it was up to me if I had the money and I did a free trial one time where we had basically the Theology Central uh, online radio station uh, where I took just any sermon, I had a, a rotation of old sermons and then I would immediately include new things and uh, we could do live broadcast, but I, I got money, money, everything's money, 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 money. I, it drives me absolutely crazy. But I, what drives me crazy is I'm here in the middle of nowhere knowing, realizing all of these things we could do and I don't have the resources 
and I drive past these big churches that have all the money and have all the resources and they're not doing anything. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? Why not? So I, it, it's, it's a interesting development. And uh, we'll just, I just think the church is, I, I think the church is falling behind here. And, and, and I think Christianity is going to look massively different. I, I'm going to be fascinated to see where we are at the end of 2022. We, we can make some predictions. Maybe we'll, we'll, maybe we'll have to do that. Uh, we may do a podcast where I just have, see, I don't know how many people would participate. Just your predictions for 2022. Not you're claiming that God told you something. No, because I believe God only speaks to us through his word. But based off what you see, your observations, your knowledge, what, what do you predict? Is, is church attendance going to continue to drop in 2022? Are, ch- are our local churches going to become more and more obsolete? How many churches are going to close? What other major theological uh, divisions are going to happen within denominations that's going to cause splits? I mean, we could could go all day on some of these things. All right, I'll stop right there. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. God bless.